Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast. This is episode 113. The disappearance of singer-songwriter Jimmy Sullivan. You know, like most disappearances, it's hard for people to fully understand why people just in most, most cases, just randomly disappear on their own volition. Especially in this case. Uh, Jim Sullivan had disappeared on March 6th, 1975. in New Mexico um, at the age of 34. Sullivan had originally uh, grew up in Linda Vista, an, an area of Santa, uh, San, San Diego, California. Uh, his parents had moved there from uh, Nebraska. To, they were both uh, employed in the military field. Um it was interesting, uh, between 68 and 69, he had cut two, uh, two albums. Uh, he did, he had, uh, married his wife, Barbara, in, uh, 1968, and at that time had a, uh, had a son. His wife uh, had worked at Capitol Records. Uh, Sullivan himself uh, wrote songs and performed uh, in a lot of the very prestigious uh, nightclubs in the area, one including the Raft Club in uh, Malibu. Uh, while working, he had um, met a lot of uh, famous people, including Lee Marvin. Harry Dean Stanton and uh, Lee Majors. Uh, he also uh, ended up appearing as an extra in the movie Easy Rider. Uh, he had also performed with uh, on television with uh, Jose Feliciano. One of his albums, which is kind of interesting, I don't really think it is the nexus of anything, but it's kind of interesting. He wrote an album... Uh, called UFO, which was released in 1969. Um, it was kind of an interesting thing because, you know, when we think of New Mexico, we automatically think of uh, Roswell and uh, all of the little Martians and aliens that go along with it. Um, later, later, uh, in 1970, uh, well, prior to his disappearance, um, many of his um, albums had been re remixed and uh, even including some of his uh, original full-length full albums had been re uh, remixed. Sullivan was last uh, 
last seen um, in an area near the Genetti farm in uh, Santa Rosa, New Mexico. He was last seen at the uh, La Mesa Hotel. I think the last actual visual confirmation was March 4th of 75, uh, at which point he was attempting to drive to Nashville alone in his uh, Volkswagen uh, Beetle. He had been stopped at some point in between uh, his his trip by, uh, he had been stopped by the uh, New Mexico State Police. And all the notes have here was that he was, uh, he had been warned about his uh, abnormal driving, which could have been anything. Um, the initial investigation reported that they did not believe that he actually slept at the hotel uh, and he had left his uh, key inside the room. And he was later seen uh, purchasing uh, a bottle of vodka at the town store. Um, his vehicle was discovered by the uh, remote uh, ranch owned by the Genetti family, which was actually 26 miles away from uh, the hotel. Um he had apparently left everything. The car uh, contained his, his money, paperwork, guitars, clothes, and a box of uh, his unsold uh, records. Um, after that, he was really never seen again. Uh, you know, there have been a lot of speculations that he'd been murdered. Uh, he had become disorientated and lost in the uh, desert. And, of course, as one would think, he was abducted by aliens. Um, several search parties failed to uh, find any trace of him. A decomposing body resembling uh, Sullivan's was found uh, in a remote area several miles away, but it was determined that uh, it wasn't him, which, I don't know, I'd recheck the DNA on that one. Uh he did have a daughter, Jamie, who died in 1988, and his wife passed away in 2016. Um, in about 2011, uh, like I said, there were a lot of remixes of his music. One by the uh, Light in the Attic Records, uh, who uh, decided to reissue the UFO Um album uh is it this date which is uh he has never been found kind of strange i mean you know you think about it you know here's a guy that is moving up in the world and getting his stepping stones into uh Uh, a bigger part of his career. He just happens to jump into a car and he disappears and he's never seen again. It's kind of a kind of interesting because you know this happens a lot. I mean, and it's just mind-boggling. You know, I, I'm thinking 
And this is just the way, you know, I'm set up that, you know, when you have all that stuff going for you, why, why would you just wander off? I mean, you know, it's hard for me to understand why people just go out and drink until they can't understand anything that's around them and they simply walk into oblivion and disappear, you know when you have such a bright future ahead of you. Uh, a lot of people try to explain it to me that stuff like that doesn't matter. Um, I don't know. It matter. It would, you know, let's face it, it would matter to me. Um, but I suppose since I haven't walked, since I haven't walked out into the, the deserts of New Mexico, um, I guess my way of thinking about things it's just a little different but um just just for some uh follow-up information each year we over 600,000 people in the united states goes missing fortunately the majority of them are found or returned but on the other hand at least a thousand aren't uh, they disappear, and there's really no trace of them ever, which is kind of, which is kind of, you know, odd in itself. One would figure with, you know, so many people living in the United States that eventually somebody would either find him alive or find him dead or somebody would find somebody. But, you know, it's not always the case. And, um, you know, I mean, I wrote a book uh, called Missing in Connecticut, which um, all my books can be found on Amazon. And the book actually goes back from about 1886 uh, all the way up to about 2011. I couldn't add much more than that because the book was about 400 pages and this would have just been a you know, overly thick book, and um, we continuously have people disappearing, so the uh, the capabilities to continuously update are, are somewhat limited. Um, on an interesting note, though, the seven females that disappeared in Connecticut, Vernon, Connecticut, Rockville area, Connecticut, between 68 and 78, um, you know, these people included Janice Pocket, Lisa Joy White, uh, Patricia Luce, uh, Deborah Speckler, Susan LaRosa, Irene LaRosa. Um, I had interviewed an individual that I had tracked down who was a relative of um, one of the, the victims, and he basically came out and, you know, subtly told me information about one particular homicide that if he wasn't there, he would have known. And then later on in the conversation, he admitted he was there. And he re really had never told the police that. Uh, and this, this interview took, I, I interviewed him and, I think 2017, which would have, give or take, been 
about 40 years after the majority of the disappearances. Um, you know, I forwarded the information to the state police, Vernon police, and uh, honestly, I don't think they ever did anything with it. Um, it would have definitely been a, you know, would definitely been a uh, an arrest for Susan Larosa and probably Irene Larosa and Lisa Joy White, who lived right in the immediate area. So, uh, but that's just how it goes. I mean, you know, you, you can give people, like they say, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Well, I guess that that co- kind of coincides with what goes on in law enforcement. You know, it's how much initiative they want to put into it. And, you know, there are just places that don't want to put anything into it, you know. I mean, uh, and we can't do anything about it, I guess. Um, so on the so on negative side of disappearances, I mean, one, you have to realize that in many instances, people just walk away from their lives because they don't want to be there anymore and they adopt new lives and change their names and where they live and they just continue to live. Uh, Yes, it does leave spouses and children wondering the fate of a family member. However, um, it's the choice that these people want to uh, take, you know. Uh, For many of you who have heard or watched the movie Gone Girl, uh, the actual female that had disappeared that day was uh, Joan Carolyn Risch. She had disappeared on October 24th, 1961 from her Lincoln, Massachusetts house uh, on Bedford Road. Um, give or take uh, a next-door neighbor after hearing one of Joan's kids come over the house crying, went and uh, surveyed the house inside, found blood all over the place, um, turned over furniture, so on and so forth. Uh, She was right across the street. She didn't see much of anything. So I was able, and it's in my book, The Disappearance of Joan Risch, which I think is actually episode number one we we did last year sometime, uh, of The Night Stalker. And when you go into the actual police report, and and nobody really had the report except for me. I I had it shipped to me uh, by a friend who had worked there. The report was uh, 5,127 pages. And just a simple FYI, the gone girl wasn't gone. She stayed here. After you look at the evidence and if you read the book, you'll you'll understand that the gone girl didn't disappear. She she went missing on purpose. So all of the stories, all of the movie lines that people are making a lot of money on and all of the stories and the podcasts and all that witch doctor stuff, uh, she didn't disappear. You can... There's a lot of evidence just to support the, the mere fact that she had uh, left, you know. And I also did a, uh, an interview with her friend, uh, her best friend at the time, Sabra Morton, who I found in uh, New Hampshire. And she gave me some information that was pretty explicit, pretty much gave me a new track of why she disappeared. Um, 
it's an interesting story. The book is probably over 300 pages long. Um, that's all I can tell you. But, um, you know, sometimes it happens. People just walk away from their lives and either they make it somewhere safely or they they don't. I mean, there's not much you can do about it. I mean, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Well, in this case, this is episode number 113 of the Night Stalker podcast. And after episode 112, uh, I'm, try- I'm going to kind of stray away again from the uh, political and social and cultural aspects of the garbage that's going on today because it is just so insane. I cannot believe the... I don't... I, I want to say lack of intelligence of certain people because that's exactly what it is. But, you know, today's culture is just, it's just so placated by misinformation, uh, inaccurate information, and people don't research it and understand it. What they do is they, they take it as, you know, um, they take it for exactly for what it is and believe things that aren't true. You know, like a friend of mine said, perception is reality, even if the perception is false. And I, and I, I'm starting, I started to learn that real fast. I mean, it's kind of, you know, it, it defrays from my way of thinking, but you know, it is what it is. So until next time, I will see you. And just remember if you're out walking in the desert, or if you have abandoned your car out in the desert, or you're walking in the desert, or in a dark path, or in a dark alley, or somewhere dark where you shouldn't be, and you hear footsteps coming up from behind you, you have a decision to make, and you need to make it fast. Until then, I am Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker Podcast.